0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Dealership Fix It Podcast. It's Brian Croft, I'm your host, and uh, we're on episode number sixty-one, and this is uh, one of I don't know many, one of several now that are that are mid sort of coronavirus. Um, why does that matter? Obviously, we just it's everything's a little wacky right now. So um, today um, I invited on an old friend of mine from uh, National Power Sport Auctions, NPA. You know them; they're nationwide. Um, Tony Altieri. Tony's the VP of Business Development at NPA, and um, thankfully, he and I uh, haven't talked too much over the years, and we got to catch up a little bit today. Uh, Tony, I appreciate you jumping on with me.
1: Uh no worries, man. I appreciate the invite. I've uh, you know kind of followed it from afar and seen uh, you kind of build this thing out. So it's, I, I feel very honored to be here.
0: Well, cool. I had you know I've had uh, your uh, your dealer guy. I don't know what his role is. Is he a director these days? Mike Murray, my old friend over there on at Mike, least once.
1: Yeah, Mike is actually a peer. He's a VP as well. So like I was telling you, you know, I think in a lot of organizations, there's uh, there's the ceremonial uh, adjustment and title, and some of that's related to tenure. But, uh, you know, Mike does a great job. You worked with Mike for a while, and uh, obviously he's a good buddy. And uh, But yeah, we're we're technically both VPs.
0: <laughs> well, that's awesome. You guys are rock stars. I can tell you that from having worked there, and when you work at something like an auction, it uh, it's a unique animal. It, you may not know this, but when I went to work at NPA, I don't remember even what year it was, but let's call it seven, eight, nine years ago. Um, it was the first time I'd ever been to a real live auction. Was my first auction going to NPA? So I showed up there, set the sale up with Mike. It was a Friday, you know jump up, do the deal. And I remember talking, I don't remember if it was Cliff after the fact, and he's like, how did it go? And I was like, man, what an amazing first auction. And his eyes opened up like we hired you as a guy who'd never been to an auction and you show up at a thousand unit auction. Just insane, you know?
1: Yeah, no, it's, you know, it's funny because uh, it's an industry that everybody kind of knows exists, but unless you work in it, it's really tough to deliver any kind of context on what the auction's like. It really is its own life force. And for us, you know, on the, the power sports side, it's this really, really beautiful marriage of the auction process and then the passion that's involved in the industry. You know, I mean, you know, most of the people that work at MPA are writers, are passionate about it. And so um, it, it's really cool to be able to blend what you love with what you do for work. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy to say I've been lucky enough to be with MPA for like uh, over 10 years now. And uh, I can honestly say that in those 10 years, there's been a handful of times in my life where I've dreaded coming to work. And that's specifically been around something that I've screwed up and I'm going to have to talk to somebody about it. It had nothing to do with what I was doing. It's a great industry and having uh, the ability to do the auction business around another passion, like, like power sports is just, it's great, man. And uh, I, I think like you When I walked into it, I've been in the auction business now for um, 15 years, a little over 15 years, so five years prior to this, and I had the same kind of experience. It's just you're blown away at the magnitude, the volume, the pace, everything that's in there, and the life force that's really involved in the auction. And it's a very, very cool experience if you've never had it before.
0: And you guys in recent years, you've definitely added some more uh, dots on the map and, and a dot on the map obviously is just a dot on the map. But when you, you know, I haven't been at some of your newer locations, but you guys are, are definitely, uh, you've added a lot of real estate in, in some different areas that probably needed it.
1: Yeah, you know, I think when you were here, we had uh, four locations, maybe five at that time. And, uh, you know, that was kind of our footprint for, gosh, I don't know, a decade. We had like three or four auctions. And those, those three or four auctions are still really like the big ones, right? They're the main auctions for us, the ones that most people identify. But you're right, we've added over here in the last cash four or five years, we've probably added uh, upwards of 10 facilities now all together. So six, added six, 10 together. And we're opening up a couple more. And uh, we just think that even though the industry hasn't had a massive growth spurt, right? Like we're not selling a ton more new and used vehicles out there. Uh, any dealer can tell you that. We think that trying to make the business somewhat convenient and uh, some regionalization as we've grown, I think, uh, has just kind of been born out of it. And uh, every one of those locations kind of has, um, even though it has the same NPA brand, right, we're trying to create that um, experience where you walk in the door and it feels the same regardless of where you are. But I think the other thing that's come out of that is each one of those facilities, because of the people, has taken on a very local flavor and become really part of the community so it's been cool to watch it grow we've grown tremendously since uh you know we've become part of the, po- the copart auction group mm-hmm. so that's obviously helped a lot and, and been able to expedite our process of growth but um you know every one of those spots is people every one of those spots is bikes and uh, we're just glad that we're continuing to grow even with you know everything that's going on that's crazy right now in the world
0: yeah, and you know that was part of what um, had me reach out to you and kind of check in and see how you're doing because we haven't talked in so long. But uh, was you had put out a video um, relatively now it feels like it's been a month ago, but maybe I don't know how long ago it was without pulling it back up. But you had a video that you put out kind of the, a little bit of a state of the union deal, and I was like, man, good job. That was a that was a really good video to me. I think of my intake on the information that you shared. And, you know, if it's valuable, yes. But I also, I always think from the dealer's perspectives, you know, cause that's obviously, you know, who I live and breathe even though I haven't been in one in uh, since the Corona stuff happened. Um, but it was a, it was a great video and you shared a lot of insights on either trends or d- kind of directions things are headed.
1: Yeah, you know, it's uh, we started doing them, gosh, I want to say we've had five or six videos now. So, you know, again, we were doing, we did them on a weekly frequency. And I remember when we were sitting around talking about it when this thing kind of happened. Um, it, was, it was really born out of the fact that we were trying to figure out how we could communicate to our employees effectively, right? We've got all these locations. we got all these people. We have different things happening in different locations. How could we get a unified message out to everybody so everyone would understand kind of where we are, what the plan is, um, and how we're moving forward? And as we were developing that, that message internally to all the folks at NPA, you know, Ryan Keefe, who's our marketing uh, VP, had a great idea. He's like, you know what? We should do the same thing for the industry. We should put out weekly videos and update everyone on kind of what's happening in the marketplace and, you know, what's happening in the industry and maybe some of the macro things that are impacting us. And, you know, Jim and me and we were all like, that's a great idea. Let's do it. Who's going to do it? And they both kind of looked at me and I was like, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, it really, that's where it came out of is just the fact that, you know, when coronavirus happened, all of our timeframes, and I think this is uh, something that happens whenever there's crisis, is, is the timeframes kind of slow down. So instead of thinking of things in kind of months and weeks, you start thinking of things in days and hours and even moments. And so we felt like having some kind of weekly update where we, we could recap the previous week and then look ahead at, you know, hey, this is what we think is going to happen. Um, we thought that would be great. So then when we were thinking of, well, how do we do that? What's the most appropriate way? Well, we could send emails, but, you know, people are inundated with emails. Uh, You know, maybe we could uh, post something on our website. And the the video format really seemed like a good way to do it because, I mean, as you know, you can sit out and and type out a script and you can, it can be, you know, three, four, five, six hundred words, takes you all day to write it out and it takes you five minutes to spit it out. (laughs) So uh, we felt like being able to deliver all that information in a very condensed time frame um, was important. And video just provided a perfect opportunity to do that. Um, and we've gotten really, really good reception from a lot of different folks on the videos. And, uh, you know, we, we have our own little unique take on them. Um, I kind of mentioned it up front. We start macro and say, hey, here's like the big thing that kind of happened this week or maybe the big things. Um, and we try to choose things that we think relate back to, you know, dealers and their businesses, not only what's happened at an MPA, um, but, you know, things like like uh, unemployment and things like uh, the small business program, things that, you know, guys in our industry dealerships are really concerned with. Um, we start there and then we boil it down to the industry level and talk about things like that the MIC is doing or that OEMs are doing or how the... The market, the stock market's reacting to OEMs and to our industry to help frame what's happening at the auction. And the the auction piece is really a good barometer for what's happening at retail and in the industry because obviously, when our prices are way down and uh, we can't sell anything and there's nobody showing up, there's a great indication that hey, there's probably not very much happening at retail. And uh, when we see things like we've seen over the last couple of weeks, where Uh, You know, when the virus kind of hit and everything started to go into lockdown, um, you know, obviously on our side with all of that uncertainty, we saw prices plummet, we saw attendance drop, and we weren't really sure what was going to happen. But as things kind of, I guess, hit rock bottom and folks started to realize like, hey, there's life kind of out that's going to exist beyond this, and I've got to figure out what my path forward is. I think some of that optimism started to find its way back into uh, the dealerships, and then obviously into the auction lanes, and we've just seen this massive spike in demand and interest, uh, and sell through and pricing and everything. So, uh, thankfully, it's it's worked out. But um, you know, our goal with all of this was always just to to be dealer centric and provide people with a snapshot view of what's happening and. Um, my hope is is that whether uh, you know you're a dealer who's been in the business for 35 years or you're an investment banker trying to figure out if you want to um, invest in harley-davidson stock uh, or you're just somebody that rides and is curious what's happening that you know you can click on the video and get you know 90 seconds to three minutes worth of data and walk away and go okay I got a pretty good understanding of where things are right now and kind of where they're headed and that digestibility I think is what maybe makes the videos fairly popular is they're quick, they're concise, and I can get a a nice big bite of something and it's not going to occupy a ton of my time.
0: Well, yeah, and, and, you know, I mean, obviously with video being, you know, I do very, um, this is all just a podcast show, but it's uh, it's funny how much interaction and how many conversations I have on the instant messenger or uh, messaging platforms when I put out the little, it's not even a video soundbite, but it actually plays as a video and it's a soundbite I put up. I just look through and try to grab a, something that feels like is representative of the conversation we had after, the, after it's done. And it's funny how much interaction I get from those. So I know, and you know, obviously, that that's a method of, of communication that people want, you know, versus like you're saying, like, here is all the auction data. Like, here is a 10-page document. Like, yeah, okay, yeah. Guys, guys might, yeah. for research purposes, might jump in and dig through it. But nobody's got time or wants to. I say they don't have time. They probably have more time now than ever to do this sort of thing, but they don't want to. That's not the way they like to ingest that information. And and you're, I think you're right. I think about when you can listen and and make okay. So I've got that level of perspective. I can make certain uh, certain assumptions and make certain plans based on it. And the and the perspective of those individuals is also varied. So I always liked when. Um, you know when i was at the auction talking to whoever if it's you know if it's jim or devin or or cliff or you know any of you guys uh it was always really interesting because you guys you know i saw it from my level and then to 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 listen to some of the points you guys had as a front of mind it was always interesting so um we're um what's uh kind of what's you know here we are today is the what's say 13th 13th of may yeah um fourteenth, 14th. 14th of may we'll see it's a day in May. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's the 14th. Uh, but um, what uh, what's kind of the State of the Union or most recent one? Like what sort of trends are you see in there?
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, for lack of sounding like a brokered record for anybody that's seen the videos the last few weeks, um, it, it's been pretty unbelievable. We've had uh, two sales this week. Um, so far, we have one more on Friday, but uh, we had a sale in... Uh, <clears throat> philadelphia and then one in madison wisconsin and both of them were just again for lack of a better term they were just off the charts uh you know the sell-through to me is the thing that is most telling uh i've mentioned it i think a couple times in the videos and you you probably remember from your auction days but it's like a really good auction in springtime because spring is kind of the peak like if you can sell 80 85 percent of the stuff that's in the building like that's a home run right um in the fall when things are tough like you're you're battling to sell seventy percent of the inventory that's in the building, and the, these last few weeks today and uh, you know uh, yesterday, as an example of the last few weeks, uh, you know we sold we sold all but three vehicles today in the building. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of that has to do with volume. Um, not only our volume, you know, our volume is definitely off. I've mentioned that multiple times in the videos, and that, that's the one thing I think that you'll. If you've watched all five, is common in all five is right now, um, you know, all the different uh, businesses and processes that support what we do on the auction side are still pretty much in hibernation. Um, so on the bank side, you know, a lot of lenders are choosing not to repossess from customers. So even if somebody's in default because of everything that's happened, if they've missed payments, um, most of the lenders are working with debtors today, which is appropriate. You know, that's I think that's probably a really good step. Um, Some are offering deferments, uh, you know, tacking payments onto the end, offering payment forgiveness, those kinds of things to keep people in loans because a lot of people are out of jobs. Um, But in addition to that, you've got uh, with no banks basically placing repossessions, you've got nobody picking bikes up and taking them into repo yards and no carriers bringing them in. You know, at the dealership level, you hear a lot about guys having unbelievable, you know, April's and May's off to an amazing start, which is 100% true. But the part of that that's lacking is, you know, typically on, a, on, on most new and used vehicles, at least one out of three, one out of four, uh, you're going to have a trade-in. And that's obviously not happening now because most of the business that's being done is uh, being done via telephone or over the Internet. So you don't have the influx of people walking in with trade-ins. Um, so with both of those two major avenues of inventory for us on the auction side, you know, basically slowed down to a trickle you know, we're running probably at like, I don't know, 50, 60% of what we would typically see in terms of volume. So not only is demand way up at the dealership level, but you've got this compounding factor of supply just being so cut down on where it normally is, um, that it's, it's created a, a doubling down where, um, we have these unbelievable conversion rates where we're selling basically everything in the, in the sale and guys are paying, um, anything that they possibly can to buy the vehicle because there just really are no avenues for inventory. And the other part of that is that supply chain that not only supports us, it also supports the OEMs. Um, It supports all the other avenues where dealers can source inventory from. So if there's, you know, there's limited carriers hauling product for us or for the banks or for the OEMs, there's probably limited carriers on the road. So if I'm a, a really, uh, really good dealer who's great at sourcing inventory. It's difficult for me to buy even from the street or from other, other dealerships because it's tough to get stuff picked up and moved. DMVs are shut down. You know, OEMs are slowly starting to turn back on production. You know, I, I know one OEM that you know, flat out told me they hadn't shipped a bike since January. So, you know, all of those things I think are contributing factors on why we've seen the marketplace, um, at the auction so strong. And uh, until those things start to get turned back on, which, you know, we're hearing they are, and we're starting to see that um, come to fruition, but until they get back to, you know, 70, 80, 90% of the capacity that they were at prior to coronavirus, I think you're going to have this extended period of extremely high demand and, and strong pricing.
0: That's a... Uh... I mean that's exactly the sort of thing where you know I you think you have a basic understanding from where I sit of what's going on, but the the additional factors you are layered in there with uh, you know finance companies not going to repo; they're going to do the right thing and and delay and let the people have the opportunity to come clean when when they get a little bit better situated in their you know in their lives. Um, just interesting to see you know that that's and of course like you're saying that would mean that the the product is is uh, the supply is down the demand. Is strong, which means it brings all the money, probably right. And then you, but you've got yep. guys, you've got guys at their local dealerships, and they're light unused. So even if they want to go and buy it, they got to pay all the money for it, and that's that edge they got to walk is figuring out: Do I throw down the money for this and get this up here? You know, do we keep having the same sort of months next month? But um, I have noticed some some of the dealerships I interact with, and, and I'm friends with uh, somebody on Facebook at and them saying things like yeah we're getting pretty skinny on inventory over here and some of these guys are real big inventory guys so it'll be an interesting uh, yep. p- position for them to be in all of a sudden you know and then and then maybe as things start to get to uh, some state of normalcy um does that sort of uh, kink in the hose come loose and then you know there's a lot of uh, a lot more used available potentially i i'd like to, i was you know i'm mean, obviously the with a trader. So I do the sort of the marketplace and the, the retail consumer side of it. And I think, man, just, you know, I hope that more and more people take the opportunity to say, I'm going to finally get that, you know, toy, whatever it is. And then call it transportation, even though we know it is, uh, I'm always hopeful that yeah, we, can, no. we can grow that space, that side out.
1: Yeah. And I think that's what we've seen. Um, at least with, you know, we talked, to obviously, you know, we talked to a lot of dealers, we run surveys, we talk to lenders so there's a bunch of information funnels that are bringing us information and the the one uh, common thread i think that i would that i hear from everyone in the industry today is that you know that a lot of people who are affected by these restrictions you know at whatever level there's a yearning to get out and go do stuff in you know our industry and probably the broader what i would call like outdoor industry which would encompass things like camping and RVing and boating, um, all those outdoor activities, I think are seeing a massive resurgence because folks are like, okay, what can I do where I can take my family? I can, I can be responsible and, and practice social distancing. And we can all go and have a great time. I've got extra money. I, right. You've got a bunch of people who um, receive stimulus money. So, you know, if you're a guy who's got a wife and uh, two kids, I mean, you're upwards of, you know, 3000 bucks, $4,000 in your pocket. And if you haven't been too adversely affected, what I mean by that is you've got a job and you're at home with your kids, got extra money. Um, maybe I go down and buy something that we can all do. Maybe I buy a Razor or a Maverick. Maybe I go get a bike and my wife and I hop on the back. Maybe we'll get a camper and I take the family out. So I think that you know all those factors that I mentioned about that are affecting the supply side, I think you've also got something happening on the consumer level where you have people that have idle time on their hands, they're yearning to get out of their houses, and uh, they've got stimulus money in their pockets, and the industry that we're in offers a great outlet to kind of check all those boxes. So I think those, uh, those two big things, what's happening in our industry, and then the psychology and the, the economics behind what's happening with the consumers, I think is why we've seen just this boom in sales here over the last forty-five days, and why I think um, it's likely to not shift too much. And the only the only reason why I say likely instead of why it's not going to is the big thing that I don't know is you know how much uh, how much unemployment is going to affect things, whether it's going to get way worse or it's going to slow down. And as things open up, people are going to go back to work. Um, you know, those things are are tough to be able to figure out. I mean, you've got people in the federal government and, you know, people that work in the Federal Reserve and things like that that are trying to diagnose and prognosticate on what's going to happen, and they don't even know uh, because I think we are in it at an unprecedented time. But, um, you know, for for us in our industry, I think it's a great opportunity, to your point, to introduce people who might have been on the outskirts or on the fence about participating, and the more that we can do from an outreach perspective, and when i say we I'm everybody you know we've got a responsibility as npa and i think we're we're doing the best that we can but just as kind of evangelists people that ride and people that are in the industry to continue to talk to people and showcase what it really offers because i think in some sense it is an anecdote to a lot of the the ailments that we're suffering from a a, a like a like a society's perspective today it's not going to cure coronavirus but it could cure the cabin fever that you've been experiencing over the 30 days, and I think it's offered at a price point that's that's really really digestible and promotes people being with their families and being together and doing those things. And so I realize I'm, you know, I'm like a I'm like a preacher speaking to the choir. But uh, I just think there's a lot of great things that our industry can do. And even though it's a it's a terrible time for us as a country from a health perspective and an economic perspective there's always opportunity born out of that. And there's, there's abilities to do great things and and good things. And I think we can do that while supporting our businesses and our industries because of what we do.
0: Well, and exactly, I think what you were talking about is, is what at least uh, it marries up to what we've seen on the consumer side of things at trader. And by trader, it's RV trader that I work with, right? Uh, Cycle trader, ATV trader, PwC trader, and snowmobile trader. Well, when this all started happening, of course, to me, I'm getting dealers saying, "What are you seeing? What are you seeing?" Well, a dealer that's on with with me and has the marketplace on the back end tool, we call Trader Tracks, to look at it and analyze what's going on. What are the hottest, you know, uh, clicked ads in the country? What are the hottest clicked ads in my region? Which where does my inventory fall in the hierarchy of what's getting getting action? And so there's these different pieces that they can look at in the reporting, but I kept yearning for more and more and more and fresh and real time. Like I'm like, I need. I'm getting a lot of questions and i want to be able to speak from the data on what we're seeing whether it does what i hope or or think it should or whatever else is what i was after but what we saw was um some massive spikes like as soon as all the conversation before there was even lockdowns you started seeing things go up versus prior year you know steady 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 growth um above and beyond what the same sort of trend lines uh in some cases but some of the stuff just went outrageous. Like I think um, I forget which one. I think it was on Cycle Trader and one of the other. Um, I don't know if it was on RV Trader without looking at the data. But there was a couple of them that we hit all time ever high levels of uh, um, uh, fresh bodies to the site as well as searches performed. So to me, it was yeah. like, okay, good. So some of these, you know, is it. People who have been out of it, people who are just eager to to shop and, and get that sort of release on. Okay, I'm going to get a new toy. I got time to think about it. And I'm actually making the decision when all this wraps up or as soon as possible. But then I saw I don't know if it was yesterday or the early this morning. I was on and saw an article uh, from the automotive space, and it talked about some uh, some big increases in people uh, at the younger age demographics, who typically I think we're going to not do their own transport they were going to ride public transportation that sort of thing and it talked about a a survey or study that was done uh, here recently where a lot more of them said they're going to be looking at their own transportation i started thinking well there you go motorcycles you know (laughs) that's a that's the transportation you need as a young person or or whatever so i i you know i took away some uh some additional hope based on you know those all showing me that that level of information
1: yeah, no, I think there's a, you know, this is this thing what it does um you know whenever you have these big events that happen, I don't care if it's the recession, 9/11, but anything that kind of it, it's like slamming a car into a wall where everything just stops and everyone's forced to take evaluation of everything that's going on and you know a lot of those trends that seem like certainties like that you mentioned things like Uber and Lyft where You know, why would I ever own a car when I can just hop in somebody else's? No one could have ever, ever projected or foreseen what, what happened with coronavirus and how that would impact people's thinking, but it has. And, uh, you know, for us, thankfully, to your points, um, you know, for riding a motorcycle or, you know, hopping in side by side or buying a camper and RV, those things now become much more attractive to folks. There's value in that because of all of the other things that are restricted and controlled now. And there's this thing here in the United States that, um, you know, that us is, regardless of where your background is or where you live, like, um, it's inherent with being American. It's this, it's this yearn for, for personal sovereignty, for freedom. And that's one of the things that makes it difficult to control things like coronavirus in our country, but also is why we tend to bounce back so well whenever there's a major crisis is people, um, people want to be in control of their freedom. They want to do what they think is best, and and that's just kind of who we are in our DNA as as Americans. It's it's one of the the weird things I heard a guy say it before, and I I remember it, and I think it's such a a, a cool way to think of our country. Is for most other countries, like um, when you're a person, like a, you know, like take Italy for example, and I'm I'm half Italian, but you're in, you're in Italy, in, in Italy, and you're from Italy, and you're Italian, like. There's a cultural thing that's tied to the land, right? Like Italians are from Italy. It's, it, it, it's all, it's all locked together. But when you think about Americans, we're so diverse and so different. America really isn't, it really isn't a, a territory. It isn't a location. It's an idea. It's a concept. And that's what makes it, makes it so amazing. The fact that you could have people from all over the world that would want to be here and people that live here that love this place and love it for very different reasons. Um, Which is why we have so much discord. But I, I think that's what makes America unique. But the, the one thing that's beautiful about all of us is this, this yearn to be free, to be in control of my own life. Um, and that manifests in a number of different ways. But um, that call that's been reignited in a lot of people because of all of the stri- restrictions related to coronavirus is um, a great call to action for our industry. And a lot of those things that we yearn for as Americans and for freedom, and I'm not not—I'm not trying to get up on a soapbox and and, <laughs> and have, you know, bald eagles flying around with the, the flag waving behind me. But I, I think it would be remiss if I didn't say that's part of who we are and what we sell is tied directly to that. And so when people start searching to find that again, like they are today, um, I think it can be found on a bike and then side by side and in the great outdoors.
0: Yeah, I, I... Well, I completely agree, and I think there's some guys in the industry that I've spoken with here in, in, in recent, uh, you know, like the least the recent most recent month, who have said we're going to see some massive increases in what's going on in this business, and and who knows later on is it like a big bubble and then it, it goes to sort of flat if we get back to a, a state of normalcy, you know, in our, in our minds anyway, um, or is it is it you know do we have a whole bunch of um, you know people. Now making the decision to experience the sort of freedom that we've always said, you know, this thing that we do, you know, and, and to do with power sports, and again, you know, the anything outdoor, whether it's like I say with RV and and power sports and all the pieces of that, it's it's definitely. I don't, I don't think I don't think a reasonable person could could say that that isn't the case.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree with you. I think uh, you know that opportunity that both you and I have kind of been circling on with this whole thing, and again, I'm you never it's difficult to to look at opportunity when things are difficult, but there's always opportunity that's presented. And what this has done for us is it's shined a light on our industry. And you have a lot of people um, that maybe have never looked this direction before that all of a sudden, because the light's being shined on us, they're like, that seems really interesting. I'd like to find out more about that. Or that makes a lot of sense. Or, Or even as far as the values and things that are presented in that are Are something I need right now. And so they're voting with their dollars to do so. So I, I think it's up to us to figure out, you know, to your point, is this a a small blip? Is it something that we experience is just, uh, you know, reciprocal of the, the, uh, the fall that we had in, in March, and it'll go away very quickly. I think that really depends a lot on what we do with it as an industry. If we continue to take the spotlight while we have it and, and say, hey, there's a bunch of great things you can do, and we have lenders that are willing to support you and dealers that are there, and it's fun and easy and it's safe, and all of these things maybe uh, that are related to concerns that consumers have, um, I think it could be more long-lasting. Um, but we've, the, the spotlight could be turned off at any second, so we've got to maximize our time on stage.
0: Well, and and you know, you got that if it's if it's so much about the experience, I think you're right. And I think that what that would lay out to me to, you know, to preach to those in the dealer space that are that are front lines talking to consumers is as much as you want to sort of uh I don't know, harvest what you know, what's there in front of you and get it, um, you need to make sure that on an individual basis that experience is still as off the charts as you can make it because I think I think that's it. You've got people who've their hard-earned money into play to be in power sports in terms of being enthusiasts and have a a toy that does these things or again rv or whatever we're talking about and are they going to be uh underwhelmed in in coming months with their next interaction with the dealership let's hope not let's hope that these you know these guys and, and you guys are listening let's just hope that um you know you get that first step forward and and you've, you've crushed it. You got them, you know, getting the experience and the release that they want in to do with these um, realms that they've entered into. And then obviously um, as they come back for parts or for service or these other things, that's step two. We got to make sure we really kill it then too.
1: Yeah. You you hit it on the head. I mean, you know, our, our, uh, our culture um, people, it's really built, is really built on the value of the story. And what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of businesses, a lot of dealers you go into, um, you'll see a dollar hanging on the wall, right? And that's the first dollar that they ever made in that business. It's common in restaurants. Like I said, I've seen it at dealerships and other small businesses. And the reality is that dollar is still worth a dollar. It's not really worth anything else. But it's the story behind the dollar that makes it so significant. And to your point, what we want is when folks walk into dealerships or you know, even when they walk into a place like NPA, we want that story that goes along with the experience to carry forward. So when that person um, rides whatever they're riding, um, they take their side by side out in the desert or out in the forest, where you know they ride their Harley down the road, or you know they, they meet up with their buddies on their Groms, but they talk about those experiences, those shared experiences and stories are where all the value is in our culture. And they become evangelists of the message for our industry, whether or not they know it, Um, we're really indoctrinating them into our culture. And it's really, really important to your point that those experiences be positive because the story, whether it's negative or positive, is going to be carried forward. And uh, we live in a culture also where negative stories carry a lot more weight. So, you know, that's why things like Google reviews and everything, people tend to gravitate towards the ones that are have one star or two stars. So it's important to maximize the good experiences and make sure when we do have these opportunities, especially when they're um, they're very very restricted like they are nowadays that we do everything we can to build that um, that experience and the story for the customer because we want them to carry that forward and say man I had a great time at Brian's dealership I check out my bike I love it you should go there I dealt with them they're fantastic it, you know it took me took me 30 minutes I made a phone call they met me they had it all done. Those things hold a lot of weight with with consumers and why we see um, so many things that now have gravitated towards, you know, online surveys where it's like, well, let me see what other people say about this business. Um, so we've got to make sure that we've got our story straight and that story is a positive one. And we continue to build on that as the the person interacts with our dealership over and over again.
0: It, it just struck me as you were saying that, that we, you know, you had talked about the United States and obviously how large, you know, geographically it is by itself and these different pockets of, uh, you know, the, the country, they have different, uh, things that they value, you know, things that they expect, things they do, how they interact with each other. Um, but it's, it's funny cause you have that. And then overlaying that, if we're talking about power sports in the example, you've got, you know, the same thing overlaid in the, in sort of the map of what the power sports, uh, customers and experience and expectations are, because like you had said, the guys who wants to go ride with a few friends on Grom's, he's got a different expectation on the experience. Obviously, he's he's looking to get, you know, his heart beating good and getting all the endorphins flowing and all that. But, you know, his experience is a different one in the expectation from the guy who's going to go buy a Goldwing and go and ride either by himself or with his significant other or go meet up with a bunch of, of you know, their actual sort of uh, the geography that's expected to cover, if no other you know, sort of way to put it, is completely different. But ultimately, they're they're experiencing those same feelings. So it's it's interesting, as you said that, and I overlay kind of the, the unit mix that's continued to splinter off and still surprises me when I look at the breakout of all these people that we touch, whether you're on a, oh, yeah, I'm in a, you know, I'm in a Can-Am Spider. Well, those didn't exist X number of years ago, you know, so... Interesting that they're there. Do we bring new people in with that? You know, these different pieces. I, I think that's, you know, just really encouraging. So.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's a great point. I wish I wish you could see me. I was nodding here and smiling as you were talking because I was agreeing with everything that you were saying. I mean, it, it, it not not only the geographical differences, like in product segments, but like the people within those. You know, you, you mentioned it. Like you could have people that um, that are fanatics about gold wings and they come from all walks of life and all cultures and ages. Same thing with Harley-Davidson's or, you know, or Grom's or whatever. And so it, it really is a... The the industry, regardless of how segmented it is on a a product standpoint, it brings in people from all walks of life. And uh, I I think the the experience and the story of doing that um, is very communal. And I think regardless of the fact that, you know, you're more often than not, if you're riding a bike, you're doing it by yourself. But you're typically doing it with four or five other people Um, and you share that experience. Uh, with a much broader community of folks that have the same kind of passion for what you do, and uh, that's to me what I think is scratching people where they itch today. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why a lot of people are are choosing to vote that way with their dollars because um, it's just there's not a lot of other things in life that that really do all those things. And power sports has got such an amazing opportunity to to experience a more long term resurgence if we can capitalize on what's happening right now.
0: Well, and you talk about. You know scratched them where they hitch. I, I can tell you that when i first ever got into power sports it had to be sporty and fast and you know it was it was that i was a motocross kid you know and that's all i wanted to do the bike had to be as light and fast and and all that as possible but you know this mm, many yeah. years this many years later There's no one thing like I might say, well, right now I have this or I have this and this in the garage and here's where I choose to ride and when and I've got, you know, the ability to hedge my bet on and going and having fun. But a lot of times it's like, well, I've got this and this in the garage now and I'm kind of looking at that other thing or maybe this other thing. So, you know, maybe that whole the whole concept that um, it's it can be the of the uh, the drug of choice, and they can definitely uh, continue to say, I need another one, or I want a different one. You know, that sort of keeping them engaged in that, that's definitely encouraging to me.
1: Yeah, no, I think there's some stat, and I, I'll probably misquote it in some form or fashion, then Jim will correct me on where I made my mistake, but I want to say it's like one in three power sports owners owns multiple products, and it speaks exactly to your point. Like, you kind of get a rush from doing one thing, but the experience, even though it's in the same genre of of overall vehicles or activities, it, it's totally different. You know, the experience of riding a sport bike is different than riding a cruiser. Um, the experience of riding on an ATV in the woods is different than you know being in the desert uh, in a side by side. And uh, it's not uncommon for folks to have multiple different product segments that they choose from. I always I, I always think about that when I ride down the road or I or I'm in my car and I see. Some guy on the back of a Harley and he's got the yellow Honda safety jacket on I'm like oh he probably owns a couple bikes
0: yeah (laughs) yeah. (laughs) what um what are you guys seeing um I guess with the geographical component of it I mean do you see any sort of trends in different parts of the country where things are you know wows over here and not even happening in a different spot is any of that you probably get to see a lot of that
1: yeah, I would say right now, um, everything is, everything is hot fire for lack of a better term. But if I was to say, if there was one segment where we probably see more interest, more demand, uh, and folks bidding probably more frequently is in the off road segments. Uh, and it goes back to all the, the points we've talked about, right? On roads doing great. And don't get me wrong. It's the, it, there's, there's definitely nothing wrong with anything that's happening in the, you know, any of the, the on-road vehicle segments, but, you know, side-by-sides, ATVs, dirt bikes right now, especially dirt bikes and side-by-sides, they're they're absolute gold. And uh, if we had a thousand side-by-sides and a thousand dirt bikes, we would sell a thousand. Um, they're, They're just on fire right now. And I think a lot of that just speaks to all the things we've already covered in terms of, Um, the psychology of the consumer and then also what's happening from a supply standpoint. Okay.
0: Yeah. It's interesting stuff and probably ever evolving. It's, I've, you know, heard a lot of the same, you know, sort of conversations obviously at the dealer level of where I sit in the country right now with, you know, with side-by-sides and uh, you know, we get a lot of like the dual sport and adventure segment is strong. You get the touring segment on, on street bikes are pretty strong cruisers. I don't know necessarily. I don't really hear a lot about it. on on what consumers Mm -hmm. are searching for. Used Harleys is always our, I mean, it's been since I've been here and we've had the different data to pull, you know, and look at it. Used Harleys, it's always the number one uh, searched used brand, Yeah, which that's, you know, I mean, if they have anything other than cruisers, tell me which one it is. I don't know what that would be. Right. But you know, yeah, ever yeah. kind of ever evolving, and it's and it's always neat. Just as the units uh, that the manufacturers put out and what they are and what they are to, to the individuals is is definitely always something to to keep an eye on. But I won't um, I won't keep any more. I want to keep these a little on the shorter side. So I appreciate you jumping on. Um, any sort of uh, you know last uh, parting words from your seat.
1: Uh, no, again, thanks for having me, dude, and I appreciate it. Uh, you know, I tend to be long-winded, so I apologize for that <laughs> to you and your audience. And so I guess. I can't say in advance, but in retrospect, uh, but uh, yeah, I man, it's been great, and uh, you know, love having a conversation. I think if anybody um, is looking for more information, it's something that I put in the videos. Um, go out and find the videos. That email goes directly to myself and three or four other people. It's client request at auctions dot com, but. If you have questions if you want to know more about what's happening you know kind of like we did here today you just want to have a conversation about um you know where things are heading or talk about maybe uncertainty at you know the dealership level or the regional level and we'll do our best to tell you kind of what we see from the thirty thousand foot viewpoint and uh, I think we want to be, uh, we want to be there to help the dealers. That's always been our goal. And I don't think we'll ever deviate from that, but um, cool. and I hope in some small way, this continues to do that.
0: Well, cool. Do um, now like for the videos and those th- sort of things you're putting out, uh, is it best for a dealer who hears this and says, Oh, I haven't seen the video. Is it best for them to go to like your Facebook page or to find you on LinkedIn or where's the best spot for them?
1: Yeah. So they're all hosted on YouTube. Um, so if you go to YouTube, npauctions.com, has a YouTube page. Okay. Uh, just type in National Power Sport Auctions. They can get them there. But, I mean, you know, all the publications have been great. So every time we publish them out, it's typically one of the top stories on Dealer News, MPM, PSB, uh, Motorcycle Business, uh, Power Sports Finance. They do a good job of promoting the videos. LinkedIn's another great resource. I see it reposted a bunch of times on there. Uh, but, yeah, I would say my suggestion would be go to YouTube, type in National Power Sport Auctions. You'll find all four, five, six of these things that we've done. Um, or just you know go to any one of the publication sites, and you'll find a connection there. PSP, MPN, or Dealer News.
0: Cool. Well, let's not make it another seven, eight, nine years till we catch up again.
1: Yeah, for sure, man. Hopefully, I didn't butcher it too bad and you no. invite you back when of these
0: No, you did great. I appreciate the conversation. Thanks.
1: Yeah, for sure, Brian. Take, take it easy, man. Thanks again. So you know not so you, know, so you, know, so you know.